0: Have you ever wanted to see for yourself what the Bible has to say? Well, you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis, and Vicar Aidan Moon as we explore the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and provide you some landmarks and guideposts along the way. Welcome to Trek Through the Scriptures. Welcome to episode three of Trek Through the Scriptures. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, my name is Pastor Tom Marsis. I am the senior pastor at Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. And I'm Vicar Aidan Moon. And we're glad that you're with us as we continue our reading through the Scriptures and getting into the interesting, sometimes difficult, but always very important uh, messages found in Scripture. This week we're covering Genesis chapter 29 to 47. And it, We continue now as we uh, look at the various themes that we've been introduced to last week and continue this week. One of the big themes, I think, as we're getting into this week is God's covenant with Abraham and his descendants. Uh, covenant is an interesting concept, and, and so we want to re- be reminded that it's like a contract that God makes with his people.
1: Absolutely, and, and you see this... In, in multiple areas, but really it starts with Abraham. And that would have been in our readings last week that we saw a couple instances of God making this contract with Abraham. What's interesting about this is in the, in the context that it is written, you have often this would be between two people or between two nations. And there's you know, expectations for both sides um, of, of fulfilling that. One of the times that God makes his covenant with, one of the, the instances of the covenant with Abraham God essentially takes both sides of the contract. So he prom it, it's it's sort of a if you fail to keep your side of the bargain then you die. That's sort of one of the like common themes. Well, in one of the themes one of the the instances with Abraham, it's if you fail to keep your side of the covenant, I'll die is essentially the implication of it. Um so you know, keep that in mind. Obviously, that has some New Testament implications as well. Uh but the the uh idea of sort of equal and opposite that would have been normal in a uh, in a contract or a covenant between two people is not exactly the same because God is clearly more responsible for keeping both sides of the covenant, uh, but there is still that element of a this sort of obligation. There's a responsibility from both parties involved, and uh, this is going to be a significant theme throughout the whole Old Testament because all of the the people of god record and their stories recorded through the old testament are based in and grounded in these initial covenants to abraham and even even way down the line when we get into some of the old testament prophets it'll be really important to think back and remember god's promises and his covenant promises to his people and inside of that
0: is as an example of how god uses sinful human beings fallen human beings even in his purpose, so that uh, despite, in spite of us, not because of us, God is able to c- uh, bring to completion his promises, his covenant, his contract. And that's really critical as we get into this week's readings. As we get into the key characters this week, we want to look at Jacob and his wives, Leah and Rachel, and also Jacob's sons. And we're going to see within that that God fulfills his promises despite Jacob, not because of Jacob, and also as we get into the later readings into his
1: sons as well. Something you might notice compared to the earlier part of Genesis is that there it almost there's this effect of almost zooming in on these characters once it gets to Abraham, and then especially with his son and grandson, and uh, and his twelve sons, you have this uh, focus on just a few generations. The early part of Genesis really was bam, 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 like really following this huge time and and generational movement, um, focusing in a couple times, but for the most part, covering a lot of time. And then we really get zoomed in on this one family over just a few generations. And uh, that, I think, is important for us because it does get into the... Some, some maybe more detail than we would get in just a normal historical account of their lives. It's very biographical in the sense that you get the good, the bad, and the ugly of what their lives entailed. And, and like you said, God continues to use these, these sinful people. Especially this week, Jacob is a really important character. And Jacob, who um, God, in fact, changes and gives him the new name Israel— So the whole nation of Israel comes from Jacob, and Jacob is not exactly a role model. Definitely
0: not. Uh, As we get into these stories, uh, maybe the best way to put it is some weird and uncomfortable stories. Uh, You know, when you look back, perhaps some of you on your Sunday school days and remembering your Sunday school stories from the Old Testament— You know, there's Jacob and Jacob's ladder and we sing songs and it's almost like Jacob is bigger than life. And then when we get down to the nitty gritty details, uh, he's kind of just like us. He he falls short. He makes mistakes, some really big mistakes, uh, steals in a sense, really, from his brother, Mm -hmm. from his father, tricks them. And a lot of us can kind of relate to that sometimes sometimes. Uh, and how we treat our families and how Jacob uh, was towards his own sibling towards his parents and yet God's able to use him for his purpose and bring about salvation through his family
1: yeah Jacob as a character he can be characterized as really deceptive as one of his core traits as a person um, and and it, it, he comes by it naturally and that his own mother is is uh in the picture as causing some of this as well so like generational generational stuff is real here but uh you see this this movement as Jacob deceives as he tricks and then he kind of has it turned around on him and you'll see that in the story of his his marriages to the the sister wives Leah and Rachel he gets tricked himself and he Get, he feels very offended by this, but it's, the, 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 it's turned around on him. And this process of, this is another thing I think we can all identify, is how over the course of Jacob's life, he kind of gets shaken around. He, he, he starts as this deceiver, trying to manipulate things for his own benefit, and he ends up, um, through this sort of wrestling back and forth, he ends up at this point where he does have to throw himself at the mercy of another, and uh, he's he's brought from a point of controlling deception to to his knees to be humble and uh, a little bit more receptive to what God is doing, and ultimately that's when he receives that name Israel and that continuation of the promise. So it's it's not like it's a story without uh, growth. Jacob clearly does grow from the experience, but it's not a growth in some kind of uh, superhuman kind of way, but a very human story of being kind of feeling like you're tossed around by God a little bit. Well, and what that shows is how God shapes us
0: in and through our own weaknesses, and how Jacob does show growth from the deceiver of his father receiving the blessing, uh, himself being deceived later uh, by his uncle uh, who he, for uh, his wives, uh, but yet how God uses those to shape him and grow him in his faith life um, as, as a man of faith and using that and how he himself will uh, demonstrate that faith later in life and showing that uh, God really is the one in control and and let's face it as you read through this section there's some things that are very uncomfortable uh, uncomfortable in how family treats one another uncomfortable with the fact that uh, in spite of God's plan for one man and one woman ultimately he has two wives and again that's getting into the cultural understanding of the day uh, and reading it with an understanding of the time period it was written, the who, what, where, when, and how, so to speak, and not trying to uh, totally dismiss Jacob offhand. Well, he's got two wives, so we got a problem there. Obviously, it's a concern. Uh, obviously, it would not necessarily ultimately be a part of God's plan, and yet even in his weakness, uh, God is able to then use him for his purpose. And you see how it impacts him later, in the relationship between his sons, uh, and and how his w- the wives compete against each other, mm-hmm. and how that impacts one sibling to the next sibling, uh, it just shows you how following God's
1: plan, not our plan or our impatience, uh, does make a difference. Some some words that I think are helpful for us, especially reading the Old Testament, is descriptive versus prescriptive. Um, descriptive as in you're describing events as they happened versus prescriptive as a model for how you should live your life. And I'd say a good majority of these stories are descriptive. They're not intending to lay out some sort of, uh, you know, following Jacob's example in this, this, and this way, and this will happen to you in some sort of kind of blessing way. It's, uh, It's descriptive of how God interacts with even people that have Massive cultural blind spots or are um, caught up in trickery and deception. And when we get into, as you said, you mentioned Jacob's sons, you have multiple examples of that in there as well. You have these stories that really are confusing. Um, And so as you read, take note of those places and, uh, you know, maybe maybe shoot us a question or get in touch with us on our Facebook page, and maybe we can take a little bit more time to dig into some of those questions. But th- some of these things are cultural. Some of these things are, are difficult. And yet again, remembering, these are describing events. It's not necessarily saying, all right, this is how you should live your life, um, especially in in certain specific accounts within Genesis.
0: Well, and one of the things is to be reminded, don't get so off on the side stories or the side events, that the ultimate point towards God's promise for us, his people, needs to be looked at. Yes, it's important to understand the culture. Yes, it's important to understand the events, but not let that override the ultimate promise of a Savior that's coming through the family and realizing that in and through their weaknesses and their failings, uh, God is ultimately leading us to the Savior born in Bethlehem. And that and that really is the the key factor here. We want to learn and read, uh, but we uh, we don't want to get sidetracked and and let those side stories take us off the direction where we need to be looking.
1: Thinking about that that promise of a deliverer can bring us it brings us very nicely into talking about specifically two of Jacob's sons, uh, the promise of the Deliverer ends up being carried out through Judah. Uh, that's a name that we'll be, we'll be following down the line because Judah's descendants form one of the tribes of Israel, a very significant tribe. But the, the character who actually takes the spotlight for most of the last part of Genesis is his younger brother, Joseph. And this is a really good example of something you'll see. that We, we mentioned the repetition of some stories in, the, in, in Genesis and in the rest of the Old Testament. But there's also these repetition of promises that God actually keeps his promises in, in sort of small, localized ways that then foreshadow the ultimate way where, where he will keep his promises in, in Jesus. And Joseph is a great example of this. You can kind of see how God is keeping his promises to Abraham through, through Joseph. So note, take note of this, how Joseph, through his—he um, goes down to Egypt, he's in captivity— but then he ends up saving his own family through that through that difficulty. And the promise to Abraham, one of those elements of it was that he would make uh, a great nation out of Abraham. He would make many, give him many descendants. So you have these twelve sons, you can already tell, oh, it's multiplying. that's that's happening. And those those twelve sons and their families are preserved by Joseph. And not not only are they preserved by Joseph, but also, joseph benefits all the surrounding nations by by storing up all this food for them so you can see how the promise that that abraham would have many descendants and that all nations would be blessed through his offspring is our is being kept like it's already there's already a little fulfillment of it but then that's ultimately foreshadowing we can see see joseph as a figure that points us forward to ultimately what jesus will do and uh so the way I, I think about that is that you have small fulfillments pointing, pointing towards the, the ultimate, the big fulfillment in Christ.
0: Well, one of those things that's rather interesting, too, think about it this way. Did Joseph's brothers deserve or earn the fact that he would save them? The answer is <laughs> no. They sent him off into slavery. They, they ultimately were getting rid of him. And yet, what did he do? He still uh, preserved them and showed his love towards them. Hmm. Sounds a little bit like a story we're going to hear when we get into the New Testament. Well, did the people deserve Jesus to die on their behalf? Uh, I don't think so. And yet he did it anyway. So it's a, it's a, a story. It's a picture pointing to the ultimate picture in the life of Jesus.
1: There's going to be a lot of ways that we see throughout the Old Testament Jesus as the greater fulfillment of some of these these stories and how he he mirrors. In really, really powerful ways, um, even like you said, the Joseph's brothers um, being jealous of him, distrusting his uh, supposed authority, and then an, and and favoredness, and then uh, well, trying to kill him, d- debating that, and ending up settling him into slavery. Well, we can see how how Jesus' own brothers, so to speak, the family of Israel, uh, were responsible for his own death, and yet he used that. He used that evil that they intended for the for the good, as it says it'll say in uh, I think next week's reading at the very end of Genesis that what man intended intends for evil, God still can use for His good purposes.
0: Well, we're glad that you're with us today, as we uh, gave you a little bit of a uh, idea as you're going through your readings this coming week. Uh, so we're again we're reading stories tw- uh, Genesis 29 to 47. If you have any questions, uh, please uh, get a hold of us. You can get a hold of us through our website or through our Facebook page, uh, and uh, perhaps maybe we can answer some of your questions along the way as we continue our trek through the Scriptures. And we thank you for taking the time to be with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Also, something else to take note of. One thing that we do as a congregation here at Zion is gather on Sunday mornings to discuss what we've read in the last week. And if you would like to be involved, that's something that is available uh, via Zoom. And so get in touch with us if you're interested in participating. This is an example of a time where we can continue that conversation together, have some dialogue, have a chance to discuss our questions, get some of your insights on the text that we have read. So again, get in touch with us via our website if you want more information on that. Enjoy your week of reading, and we hope to see you again next time as we continue our trek through the scriptures. As we're reading through, there's no doubt that some questions will come to your mind. So we'll try to take a moment at the end of every episode to think back on the week, um, look at some of the questions we received. And this week we have a question related to Genesis chapter 6. Specifically, there's a, a strange little uh, pair of verses that that is often confusing and has been interpreted in a lot of different ways. And so Genesis 6 verses 1 and Two says when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose again this is sort of a strange text it's sometimes been interpreted as sort of this uh, weird interaction between angels and humans uh, that's that's sometimes been an interpretation of it but I think if we're looking at the context of Scripture, we can, we can see this for what it is. Uh, the, the children of Adam and Eve who were faithful, the, the children of the promise, the ones who were looking to, with hope to the one who would crush the serpent's head, were, even though they were still part of sinful human creation, they were the, the sons of God, the children of God. Even Adam was, is called at various points in the Scriptures a son of God. So when you think of that, you have the, the faithful the faithful sons of Adam and Eve. And then you have all the other people populating the earth. So you have those who came from Cain and the other children of Adam and Eve who are populating the earth. And so this becomes about uh, intermarriage with those who are not children of the promise, who are not trusting in that ultimate promise. And it causes problems. Um, There's this this blending, and we see the ultimate result of it, is that uh, there's not really any faithful people left on the earth. And so it does give some caution for people as they, they look at the, the, the effect of intermarriage with those who do not share the same values and ultimate hope in the promises that it does eventually lead to decay and the, uh, the line of those who trust in God is left with just one family, that of Noah. And that's what we see in the narrative of the flood. As you read, I'm sure that more questions will come to you, so go ahead and uh, send us those questions. You can contact us on our website or talk to us in person if you see us around and ask us those questions that are uh, pressing you that you that you have as you go. It's helpful sometimes to have a Bible you can take some notes in. As you go, underline things, write down questions you have so that you have an easy access uh, to reference those things. And maybe then you can go back and write down some of those answers as you find them. Um, keep exploring, keep asking those questions. This is the best way for us to learn more and to grow in our faith as we continue our trek through the scriptures. So again, thank you. Keep asking good questions and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on our trek through the scriptures this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time as we continue our exploration of God's story in the Scriptures. God bless your reading this week.